Ion 2020, episode 30. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies, along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Hey everybody, it is Ray Eaton, your host of Ion 2020, the place that you continue to come every day to hear all of the news and related events with regards to this 2020 election cycle. It's only 2019, I know, I know, and if you're turning it, tuning in for the first time, we're on episode 30 right now, and uh, I'm really excited because we're getting into this election cycle. We're having people announce their candidacy officially now, Elizabeth Warren did. Uh, we're getting closer to you know to, to the January the time in January when we're going to start having the um, the Iowa caucuses and the primaries and all that stuff that's going to be going on and uh, all these candidates right now all they're doing is just announcing their their candidacy they're announcing exploratory committees and so forth uh, you know it's exciting this time because you're starting to see lots of Democrats that are getting into the mix. And this podcast here, this is Ion 2020, and what I do every day is I come to you with a libertarian perspective on all of the news and the information that's coming out with regards to the 2020 election. I take a look at a lot of the Democrats recently because really that's the that's the major news that's going on right now, right? You have Elizabeth Warren that recently announced... Um, you have Kirsten Gillibrand, you have Tulsi Gabbard, like you have several candidates that have announced their candidacies on the Democratic ticket. And they're, you know, they're seeking the nomination, they're coming out, they're they're getting on the news and everything. So that's the a lot of things that I've been talking about has been the candidates and their issues, but also some of the specific issues that they're looking at. And I'm gonna start getting into more of these libertarians as well. Some of because I am a libertarian. I'm a small L libertarian, though, and what that means is that I'm not like a I'm not in the libertarian party per se. Uh, although I have been in the past, I'm not currently. Uh, but I do, you know, have a libertarian leaning. And when I'm looking at people, I look at it through, you know, libertarian colored glasses. I guess is the best way to describe it. Now, I also am keeping an eye on these Green Party candidates, all the third party candidates. And I'll also be looking at independence and so forth. Uh, just comparing and contrasting these people, bringing you the news, the events, and so forth. That's what I do. This is Ion 2020, your place for all of that news uh, as we approach November 2020. And it's getting exciting. It really is. Now, listen, if it's your first time coming, coming to listen to me, I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you tuning your ears. And if you have a second, go ahead and subscribe to the show, whether you're listening through Apple podcast if you're looking through stitcher uh, any of these podcatchers google you know google podcasts and so forth go ahead subscribe to the show if you like what you hear if it's music to your ears per se go ahead and uh, 
go in and subscribe and then give me a five star rating. Uh, and if you would like to follow me over at uh, Twitter, you can find me at I on the Empire. At I on the Empire, and that's me. That's going to be me. I'm just post. I post a lot of news articles that I find. I post as much about the about the political candidates as I can, but I also post a lot about just you know the the goings on within America because it's called Eye on the Empire, and that's what that's what I'm looking at is just keeping an eye on our federal government because as a libertarian, I've always felt this that it's a bloated government. They're overreaching what they're you know they're they're the people up there they're trying to overreach into our lives and that's dangerous let me let me tell you guys something that i thought of or that i was listening to the other day and it came it, it, i came to this conclusion and it was someone wrote a book and then they were being interviewed on their podcast and i wish i could remember what it is but when i drive around all day for my for my 9 to 5 job i drive around all day and i listen to podcasts so i listen to so many throughout the day but I was just, you know, listening to one specific podcast and they were interviewing a gentleman and he was saying that when the federal, it's like, let's, the further away from the people we get or the, the, that the decision making gets, the less accountability there is at the local level. And he gave an example of, of a school, right? So if, if, if you give, if, if there's a school that's a local school and the parents send their kids to that school and all the decision making of what's taught and all the things that are going on in there are, you know, local decisions. Then when the parent goes to the school and makes complaints and so forth, it's an easy remedy to fix those things. And then when the federal government comes in and forces the hand of these people on what they're going to teach and so forth, then when the parent comes in, the teachers and the administrators, they're a little bit less likely to try to find you a solution for problems and they'll just say oh well we're just told what to do so given that i just thought it was a nice little analogy that he used and i wish i was better explaining it but and i wish like i said i wish i remember which podcast it was i'd refer you to that particular episode but it was just interesting that you know the further away from the locals the local people that the decision make decisions are made the more people that are at that local level, they're a little bit, just a little bit less uh, likely to try to help out. They're a little bit, you know, they're, I forget, I can't think of the word, but they're, they're, you know, numb to the idea of helping you out at that point because the decisions are made above them. They say, oh, I can't help you because it's not, I'm not the, you know, the decision maker on these issues. And to me, if you get everything towards the local level, if you take away a lot of that power from the federal government that the federal government has over us on the local decision making, then people would probably be more involved in their local politics rather than just looking at Washington for all the answers. You would look for, you know, local representatives for the answers. You might look to your state representatives, your, your governors, and even, you know, I mean, in my community, we look to, if there's a problem going on, we go straight to the the homeowners association and the more local it gets the more likely you are to see some changes and i think that's a good thing but anyway that's my thought on that this is a this is i on 2020 though we're looking at political candidates i just you know i was thinking about that the other day and i just you know i was listening to this podcast and and i just 
you know, thought it was a good point. Anyway, so the the candidates, the, these Democratic candidates, every single one of them, all of them, this uh, Cortez lady comes out with this, you know, this this Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. They call her AOC. She comes out with this Green New Deal over the weekend, and before she came out with this plan, all the candidates that have been running for the Democratic ticket, they're all talking about it even beforehand, right? That we need to have a Green New Deal, something that's going to be, you know, change the environment, that's going to change the way Americans, you know, use energy and so forth. <clears throat> and she she throws this thing out there over the weekend and says that this is a great idea, and it's the talk of the town right now. It really is. Woohoo! We're gonna have a green new deal. We're gonna put people back to work. We're gonna change the America's carbon footprint and the whole nine yards. And it's just that's been the talk of the town. And I found an article which I wanted to bring to you guys, and I think it's really interesting. It's on thefederalist.com, and it's by David Harsnell. And uh, he, it's on February 7th, he wrote this, and he's, it's called The 10 Most Insane Requirements of the Green New Deal. And he goes on, a number of Democratic Party presidential hopefuls, including Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, Kirsten Gillibrand, Julian Castro, and Beto O'Rourke, for starters, have already endorsed or expressed support for the Green New Deal. Today, Representative, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Senator Edward J. Markley dropped details about her plan. It's not hyperbole to contend that GND, Green New Deal, is likely the most ridiculous and un-American plan that's ever been presented by an elected official to voters, not merely because it would necessitate a communist strongman to institute, but also because the societal costs are unfathomable. The risable historic analogies Marque and Ocasio-Cortez rely on, the building of the interstate highway system or moon landing are nothing but trifling projects compared to a plan that overhauls modernity by voluntarily destroying massive amounts of wealth and technology that is in the Green New Deal. While some of the specifics need to be ironed out, the plan's authors assure us that this massive transfer transformation of our society needs some clear goals and a timeline the timeline is 10 years, and here are some of the goals. And this, this Green New Deal is absolutely insane, the scope that they're trying to take it to. And um, this is, so the, this Green New Deal, it just there's so much that they're trying to, you know, bring out. And if you really get into it, it's, I mean, they picture, they picture rainbows and unicorns and say, woohoo, we're going to make this happen. But it's just not something that, would be good for America. And this is what the article goes on to say. And this is obviously someone's opinion, but I think he makes some very good points because he's reading into it. It says He says that it bans affordable energy, and that's true. They're going to make it illegal to use any fossil fuels for energy production. The And then he says, the lifeblood of American industry and life, which includes not only oil but also natural gas, one of the cheapest sources of American energy, and one of the reasons the United States has been able to lead the world in carbon emissions reduction. And that's true. Natural gas, a lot of plants are switching over to natural gas to burn 
instead of oil and coal. And that's reduced America's carbon, carbon emissions over the last decade dramatically. And it's because it's, it's a little bit cleaner than your coal and your oil. But they want to ban all of these sources. And they also even talk about no nuclear energy. So he says they eliminate nuclear energy. Nu- nuclear energy. And uh, the Green New Deal also calls for limiting all nuclear power, one of the only productive and somewhat affordable clean energy resources available to us available to us in 11 years. This move would purge around 20% of American energy generation so you can rely on intermittent wind for your energy needs. And it's true. So they are, in this Green New Deal, they talk about wind and solar as the two primary sources of energy. Now, my question is this. What lobbyists got them to put that in there, right? That it's only going to be wind and coal. Because the most productive and the cheapest way and, and the most reliable renewable resource that we have or clean resource, I guess, that we have, the way to produce energy is nuclear. And when you have them getting rid of all of these nuclear power stations, where are those jobs going to go to? I guess she says they're just going to give them jobs making solar panels and wind farms, I guess. I don't know. Um, but to get rid of all of nuclear energy and to get rid of all of the natural gas, the only thing that we'd be able to rely upon at that point is, I guess, rivers. But they're not talking about using hydro hydroelectric power plants because they don't want to destroy the rivers, I guess. So... You have two choices. You have the existing hydroelectric power plants. You have wind and you have solar, and that's it. Um, Those are intermittent. You're going to need massive amounts of energy storage capacity at that point. They say you don't even have enough lithium-ion batteries in the entire, you know, on Earth, unless lithium even to store that kind of power. But I have heard different storage ways, the ways that you can store things as well. You can create a dam that... You know, you just fill up with water over time, and then that would allow, I guess you'd pump water with electricity that's being produced and, and up high, then you could use that to during the intermittent times, I don't know. Um, but to get rid of, I mean, it's to overhaul the entire electrical grid like that, um, it's just not possible. So let's go on. They want to eliminate 99% of cars. So I guess only the very, very wealthy are going to get cars. The top 1%, I don't know. but it's a, Or politicians. They could have cars, I guess. So they're going, to eliminate, they're going to eliminate 99% of cars. And he says in the article, to be fair, or quote, to be fair, under the Green New Deal, everyone will need to retrofit their cars with Flintstone-style footholes or pedals for cycling. The authors state that the Green New Deal would likely like to replace every combustion engine vehicle, trucks, airplanes, boats, and 99% of cars within 10 years. Charging stations for electric vehicles will be built everywhere, though how power plants will provide the energy needed to charge them is a mystery. And that's absolutely true because you're going to be relying on solar and wind for all of your new power. Now... Let me get back to the solar and wind thing because I drive around North and South Carolina for work all day, every day pretty much. And I drive around and I see these solar panels going up everywhere. And it's in once or farmland that once was 
used to grow cotton, to grow food, to grow, you know, vegetables, to grow corn, whatever. Like they're using what what once were farms to to put solar to put these solar panels out there on these farms. So now you're giving using perfectly good farmland, huge acres and acres and acres. I mean, hundreds of acres of just solar panels out there. And that is land that's going to be not being used for growing food. So what does that do when you have less land being used to grow food, right? You have less food production, and that causes more or less food to be made. And then it causes the prices of food to creep up. That's all that is. Um basic supply and demand, right? So when you have a Green New Deal coming out and you're going to have wind farms and you're going to have solar farms, they're going to be creating all this energy, then I wonder how many acres at the current at the current potential for a solar panel to produce, you know, let's say a panel that's five foot by five foot and it's sitting there, how much electricity can it produce and how much land mass does it take up? Have they done any studies, I wonder, about how many acres of solar panels you would have to have in order to power the entire United States with just solar power? I would love to see if there's been a study that's done like that because um, that's how much land would have to be used for solar power and that's how much land would be taken away from food production on this earth. Now, I've always thought to myself... Wouldn't it be a better idea to take land that's already not being used, like the medians in between the on an interstate highway system? You have a northbound lane and a southbound lane and a big old grassy area in the middle, right? <clears throat> Sometimes there's accidents and people blow into the you know blow right into the middle, and that would you'd have to take into account that. But maybe you could put like a really high pole that has the solar panels above that. If that was the case, then you're using unproductive land already to put these solar panels down. Maybe that's what they'll end up doing. But what I see them doing in South Carolina and in North Carolina driving around is they are just putting, they're taking old farm, like a farm and just that person that owns that farm, they find it more profitable to put a solar panel, you know, a bunch of solar panels there and get the tax credits and whatever, sell that energy to the, to the grid they find it more profitable to do that because of these tax credits than they do to grow corn and they don't have to work they don't have to work to have that electric that electricity produced as well so i just think that that's that's a slippery slope something that no one's gonna talk about until after it's done right so you get this green new deal passed now we have no electrical or no electricity we have very little electricity because you know, we're using, we're, we got rid of all of our coal and natural gas in our, in our oil plants. We got rid of all of our nuclear energy, so we're having brownouts constantly. And we have no cars to drive around in because um, there's no, well, you have an electric car, but you can't get it charged. So, let's move on. The next, he says in the article, quote, gut and rebuild every building in America. That's part of the Green New Deal. They want to retrofit every building in America with state-of-the-art energy and efficiency. Then he says, he says, quote, I repeat, every building in America. That includes every home, factory, and apartment building, which will all need, for starters, to have their entire working heating and cooling systems ripped out and replaced 
well, with whatever tech or with what? Then he says, with whatever technology Democrats are going to invent in their committee hearings, I guess. And that's the most sarcastic statement in the world, but it's true. People think that just because they pass a law for something, that all of a sudden the technology is going to be there to make it happen. Yes, we have state-of-the-art technology for energy efficiency in these things, for, for your house and for your heating and air, but it's very, very expensive, and for the average person to afford it, what are they going to pass a law that says that you have to change out everything in your house, or are they going to, I mean, how would they do that? I have private property. I can do what I want with my home, right? And what are they going to pass a law that says I have to change up my air conditioner and my all the lights in my house and I have to change I have to make my house energy efficient? Is that the law now? Is that something that they're going to force me to do? And if that's the case, then you're going to need a dictator to do it. That's unconstitutional. So that's just not something that's a reality either. Or they'll say, oh, well, we'll incentivize you to. Or they'll do what they do with the Obamacare tax, where if you... With the Obamacare tax, it was if you... Um, don't buy health insurance they're gonna uh you're gonna have like a 900 dollars fine and that's i mean that's something they that the congress or not the congress the uh supreme court has said is constitutional now right so that's just then that's the slippery slope that we went down so now if that was if they got the green deal new deal passed that's what they would have to do is they'd have to make some kind of law that says that you have to retrofit your house with energy-efficient appliances, energy-efficient lighting, and so forth. And then if you don't, then they're, and you don't pay for it, then they're going to have a tax on you. Okay, so the most exciting one that I found in there is, and I've heard people talking about it as well, is that they're going to try to, in the Green New Deal, they're going to eliminate air travel, because obviously that's a combustion engine, right? So you're going to have to, there, there's no person that, can come up with a better idea of flying than you have to have a combustion engine because that's the state of the art, the technology that we have. So they're going to ban air travel apparently in the next 10 years. So the Green New Deal, he says in the article, the Green New Deal calls for building out high speed rail at a scale, scale where air travel stops being necessary. And then he says, then he says, good luck, Hawaii. California's high speed boondoggle is already a hundred billion dollars off or over budget or excuse me that's the debt that it's taken and looks to be one of the state's biggest fiscal disasters ever amtrak runs billions of dollars in the red though as we see trains that run on fossil fuels will be phased out imagine growing that business model out to every state in america and it's totally true you have these high-speed rail systems that are going up and every single time they budget them for 10 million dollar or 10 billion dollars and it costs 100 billion dollars they budget a billion dollars and it costs 3 billion dollars they budget it for you know 100 miles a track and they get 50 miles a track for three times as much as they planned on it the state the government does not do things on budget they don't do things on time they don't think things on budget because there's no one that is incentivized to do it on budget because everybody's being paid under the table for something there's just side deals going on the longer they stretch it out the more money that they make off of it um that's just the incentives that these people have right and it just it's not an efficient system now if it was a private company that said hey there's let's say for example they the government made 
air travel illegal starting tomorrow, then you would have to have somebody that would come in to figure out how to make that work. And then people would come in and make it work. But if it's the government that does it, that's not going to happen. Now, the most efficient way to travel that we have is through air travel. I, I mean, I, I remember hearing my my captain one time when I was on an, on a on an airplane and he was saying that you know he was going over the mileage the gas mileage that we were getting versus what it would have been like so if there was 300 people on the plane you know we were getting you know 2,000 miles per gallon or something just based upon the fact that we were covering so much ground with that amount of gas but anyway it's an efficient way to travel it's safe trains are so much less safe they say so i mean we're gonna do that at the ex- or we're gonna build these high-speed rail trains that are unsafe at the ex- and every person that dies because of that would be on the politicians that pass this green new deal i mean it's just it's just absolutely crazy now i've even heard someone say that the idea is that they want to build trains that go over the atlantic ocean Trains that go over the Pacific Ocean, I guess. Trains that connect the continents somehow. I don't know. I mean, I guess you could build trains that connect the continents if you were going to build a train that goes, you know, across Alaska into Russia somehow, maybe over to Green Greenland and Iceland. Or they, they, they might be able to make it happen somehow. I don't know. I mean, they've laid cable across the Atlantic and the Pacific Oceans, but still, the expense to make that happen when you could fly... It's just absolutely, absolutely, like I said before, rainbows and unicorns dreaming, pretty much. Um, okay, so, and now we're going to get into the economic stuff of it as well. They, so it's not just the Green New Deal where they're going to save the planet. Now they're going to give everyone jobs too. It says a government jobs guarantee. So then in the article, the guy says, the bill promises the United States government will provide every single American with a job that includes a family-sustaining wage family and medical leave, vacations, and a pension. And you can imagine that those left in the private sector would be funding these through some unspecified massive taxation. On the bright side, when you're foraging for food, your savings will be worthless. Oh, that's funny because it's true. I mean, the government's going to have this massive amount of spending. Imagine the inflation that would be caused by something like that, right? Um, because, uh, Because she even says, like, how are they going to fund it? Well, we could just finance it through the Federal Reserve Bank. I mean, they have all the money in the world, right? Apparently, they do. So, I mean, yeah, because they could just print all the money that they want to and devastate our economy as well. Um, free education for life. The Green New Deal promises free college or trade schools for every American. I don't know how that has anything to do with the Green New Deal in the first place, but um, it's, it's, I guess they got to... They got to get people on board, right? So we're just going to give everyone free education. A a salubrious diet? The Green New Deal promises the government will provide healthy food to every American because there are no beans or lettuce in your local supermarket, I guess. He says that in the article, right? Now, a healthy food to every American. So I love it when a socialist tells me they're going to provide healthy food to every American when you think back on the Ukraine in the 1920s and 30s when Stalin literally starved those people, millions of people to death because he didn't, I mean, not that he did it, but it was just the socialist system, the 
the communal farms that they forced people to be on, people starve to death. And in every socialist society, people are hungry. <laughs> like, it's just the way it is. And we live in a country where you can go to the grocery store today and have any choice that you want to. If you're willing to pay for it, you can have really good quality ham. Or you could have, you know, the two ninety nine a pound ham. It's there. The You can go and you can eat eggs. They say the cheapest thing you could possibly eat for protein is eggs because you could buy a dozen eggs for like 82 cents. So I mean you could you could eat you could eat very well in America very cheaply and it's and if you just learn how to manage your food consumption and the way that you eat and the types of food that you buy or you can be, go crazy and splurge it's up to you. We have the ability to do that, right? Um I mean you have the ability to go out to eat six or seven days a week sometimes for lunch you're not most people a lot of people do that i mean we live in a a very very wealthy country with lots and lots of food i mean we they say we throw away 30 percent of our food so i don't think that we have to worry about if the government was providing our food oh god you'd have one kind of milk one kind of cheese one kind of everything at the supermarket and if you're lucky the shelves won't be bare. Well, they won't be bare. Amazing. But, you know, we're not going to go by the example left by the previous socialist governments in this world. We're going to think that we can do it because we're American, I guess. Who knows? All right. Free money. Free money. Oh, the, so he says, the Green New Deal aims to provide, and I'm not making this up, economic security for all who are unable or unwilling to work. Just to radiate, radiate. If you're unwilling to work, the rest of us will have your back. He says, a house. The Green New Deal promises that the government will provide safe, affordable, adequate housing for every American citizen. I call dibs on an affordable Adams Morgan townhouse. Thank you, Ocasio-Cortez. See, yeah, we're going to... How is this even green? I don't know. And then the last thing he says is ban or bonus insanity. They're going to ban meat. Ocasio-Cortez admits that we can't get zero emissions in 10 years because we aren't sure that we'll be able to fully get rid of farting cows in airplanes that fast enough. The only way to get rid of farting cows is to get rid of beef. So the Green New Deal, they're going to ban meat, I guess, also, which blows my mind. Are they going to actually ban farting? I'm wondering. Because that's methane gas, and they say that's 10 times worse than CO2 on the environment. So um, anyway, to wrap up the article, he says, The Green New Deal uses massive to explain the size of investments, formerly known as taxes, 13 times. Yep, because we're going to invest, so we're going to invest your tax money in what we want to, because we think that it's the right thing to do. And then he says, we will pay for this, how will we pay for this plan the same way we did the New Deal? The 2008 bank bailouts and extend quantitative easing, says Marque and Cortez, who earned her degree in economics at an institution of higher learning that should be immediately decertified. <laughs> That's funny. So Cortez got her economics degree from an institution that should be immediately decertified. That's hilarious that he says that. The plan itself seems to insinuate that billionaires can pay for the whole thing. Of course, 
Best case scenario, it is estimated that instituting a top marginal tax rate of 70% would raise a little more than $700 billion over a decade. She does not explain how we're going to raise the other 20 bazillion dollars it would cost to tear down modernity. Oh, that's so funny because it's absolutely true. I don't know how much this Green New Deal would cost, but it'll be absolutely insane to see what the cost of this thing is going to be. And I'm going to look up. So the this thing would cost tens of trillions of dollars, is what it says in the Washington Examiner. It says at this time there is no comprehensive cost estimate of the Green New Deal. So as so far, it's just a non-binding resolution, and it would aim to make dramatic changes that have not contemplated before or estimated by outside groups. Remember, it isn't just an environmental bill, but a grand vision addressing the whole host of issues that we just talked about. Though we don't have a full cost estimate, we do know how much some aspects of the bill are likely to cost. For instance, the resolution calls for providing all people in the United States with high-quality health care and affordable, safe, adequate housing. In addition, it includes a provision for free college, a job guarantee at a family-sustaining wage, and for a vast high-speed rail network. So there's an idea of what some of that would cost. The 10-year cost of Senator Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All plan was pegged at $32 trillion in 2016 by the Liberal Urban Institute. The job guarantee at $15 an hour minimum wage would cost about $543 billion a year, according to an estimate from the Brookings Institute, meaning the 10-year cost would exceed $5 trillion. Sanders has estimated the cost of his free college program at $47 billion a year, or another half trillion dollars over a decade. The Center for American Progress estimates its more targeted Homes for All program would require a minimum of $20 billion in funding annually over the next five years. But if there was a Homes for All program, everyone would be trying to take advantage of that, right? So you're going to have way more than that. And, any t- and guys, anytime the government estimates something, it's totally off by like, a quadrillion dollars at that point right so anyway so to get into it this price tag would cost trillions upon trillions so we might as well say a zillion we just need a zillion to just start printing a zillion dollars to make this thing happen it's just gonna oh and the cost of people's jobs that are being lost because you're there's no more energy sector at all except for solar and wind right so you got i mean all those gas tankers that are driving around. I mean, yeah, the gas tankers that are driving around, bringing gas to gas, those guys have no jobs. The trucks that are taking people to, you know, taking, transporting everything all over the country, those are gone because we can't transport anything because there's not electricity to power all these trucks because it's wind and solar, right? Now, I'm being skeptical of that, of course, because somehow, someday wind and solar probably will be very good ways to get energy but today they're not efficient and that's just i mean that's just a fact and eventually solar is probably going to be a great way if we could store it if you could just catch the sun's rays all day long in a very efficient solar collector and store that energy for the nighttime then yeah it would probably work great but right now the cheapest way to produce energy is through natural gas, coal, uh, and, and, uh, oil. So it's just, so 
if you're going to look at this, it's just going to cost trillions upon trillions upon trillions of dollars. And not to, not to even mention the economic costs on making people even poorer because energy is something that makes us very wealthy in this country. So anyway, I just wanted to bring you guys this Green New Deal thing. I wanted to just go over this article that I found and then a few other things that I thought up about this as well. Uh, from the Washington Examiner, that was the reality check. Costs a Green New Deal would dwarf moon landing highway system and the New Deal itself by Philip Klein. That was on the Washington Examiner on February 8th. All of the Democratic candidates are running on this idea of this Green New Deal, supporting it. Um, this Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the Democrat from New York that just got elected, she is an avowed socialist. And if you look at all of these things... You can link them right back to the Communist Manifesto way back when. Um, very, it just blows my mind that this has becoming a mainstream topic. Uh, but you know what? That was what the entire, to me, that's what the entire green movement is about, right? Is letting the government take over the entire economy. That's what they want. I mean, that that's what they want, Right. Like, the government is going to be a better steward of the environment than you and I will be. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've always thought maybe that is a place where the government can do a good job is to sort of say, hey, the guys upstream can't pollute the water downstream. The guy over here can't pollute the air. That's going to affect you. I've always thought that that would be one place for litigation within the, and have a government that can kind of enforce those things. But... To have a complete takeover of the economy like that just blows my mind that this is a mainstream idea that most of these Democratic candidates are running on this idea. And Donald Trump has been just going off on this thing about, yeah, I hope they do run against me with this Green New Deal because I because it'll just destroy the economy and it's something that he could run on them against. So anyway, guys, I do appreciate you listening today. I know I kind of went on a little bit longer than I wanted to within this you know, on this episode, I just wanted to bring you all of my thoughts on this issue as well, because this is something that these candidates are running on. And I said that I would bring you the issues that they're running on. And this is one of them, right? So thank you so much for listening. Go ahead while you got a second, uh, subscribe to the show, share it with your friends. And you know, give me a five star rating, give me a review. I really appreciate that. And if I do start getting some reviews, I will read those on air. So, hey, there you go. And uh, keep on tuning in. This is I on 2020. I am Ray Eaton. I am your host. And I am going to help you have a clear vision. Clear your vision for the 2020 elections. And uh, that's why I call it I on 2020. Because this is the place where you're going to have 2020 vision for the 2020 elections. <laughs>